This episode of The Interface, I speak with Susan Prakash, General Manager of the Amphenol High-Speed I.O. Connector Division. Susan has been with Amphenol for 10 years and has been with the Amphenol ICC Group the entire time. We talk about the products her division designs and manufactures. We talk about the incredible growth of the business since she started and the excitement she has for the future. We talk about being raised by an engineer and how much that upbringing has influenced her over the years. And we talk about her Desert Island music, book, and movie. This is The Interface. Well, I'm honored that you asked me to be part of this. No, it's my pleasure, Susan, and I appreciate you taking the time to do this today. You're based out of Toronto and as the general manager of the High Speed I.O. Connectors division for AICC. Just tell me a little bit about your division and obviously your role as general manager, but just about your division and what you guys do. So our group develops and manufactures uh, interconnects that go into server and storage equipment. So we're predominantly in the IT and datacom uh, market. We have global capabilities. So I manage a very global team, a lot of Zoom time, whether it was pre-COVID or during COVID, um, nothing really changed from that perspective. I've got engineering teams in Toronto, in Valley Green, Pennsylvania, uh, Nashua, New Hampshire, and Shenzhen, uh, China, and also in Taiwan, uh, which we recently expanded into over the last three years. And manufacturing is in um, China and uh, with everything going on um, because of the pandemic and just, you know, strategically, we're looking to expand out into other low cost regions like um, India. So that's the next big project that we're, we're working on. Talk a little bit, if you can, about the products, some of the specifics, just an overview of your product portfolio. The most common product uh, that we make is the SFP or the QSFP. So SFP is small form factor pluggable, um, QSFP quad small form factor pluggable. Um, It's just the next generation. Um, So we've got product from one gig all the way going out to um, 800 gig. Whoa. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's very... There's a lot of technology that goes into it. Uh, a lot of our technology or the 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 IP that the design work that we do was also uh, based on some of the backplane connector technology that AICC has out of Nashua, New Hampshire. So, and it, it's it's a lot of complementary product, you know. And again, traditionally in the IT datacom space, so. When you, you know, think of the the YouTube movies you're watching yeah. or, you know, Netflix or even the stuff we're buying on Amazon, we've got products that are in these big data centers that are fueling, you know, all the bandwidth that people are using. So it's just, it's very interesting and neat technology. You know, it's funny. I just thought of this as you were saying it, when you talk about your products being all over for YouTube and Amazon servers. When you are with family and friends and you try to explain what you do for a living and what you're actually making, is that your go-to as far as, hey, what we do is we make it, we make products so it's easy for you to watch all your videos on YouTube? I, I do, depending <laughs> on the family. Yeah. So I actually come from a family of, of engineers. So I can, okay. you know... Um, sometimes get pretty technical but whether it's friends or even on my husband's side um they well aldo understands because he's in it as well um and he's the the poster boy for a lot of our products um 
But uh, yes, that is my go-to, especially with my daughter who has been immersed into Amphenol since she was like two. Um, other than calling me the, you know, the Miss Wi-Fi or the Wi-Fi girl, yeah. um, I talk about, you know, all the Amazon shopping and all the, the Google videos or sorry, the YouTube videos that she watches. I'm like, I make that, I facilitate that for you. So they, people get a kick out of it, but they understand as soon as you say, data center and you say Amazon shopping or Facebook, then they totally get it. And they, they just, they um, have a, you know, sparkle in their eye and, and uh, they, they get that we're doing something that's cutting edge. I understand the feeling. It's always difficult. I mean, myself too, with, with children. It's like, so what do you guys actually do? Well, yeah. we make things that connect a bunch of things that you use every day and you don't realize, or, you know, right. my go-to is always, you know, if you're flying in an airplane, we're going out to California, kids. You know, if you peel back the the walls inside the aircraft, you can see cables going everywhere. Well, it's our connectors that actually connect all that stuff. So how long have you been with the AICC group? My whole career at Amphenol, so 10 years. Yeah. I joined September of 2010. Mm -hmm. um, and then we spun off into our own division um, in January of uh, 2011. And I started off as a product manager for uh, my group and then became, you know, the, the head of marketing. But I've been with AICC the whole time. Explain a little bit about the, the breaking off portion because you were, I believe, if I have this, if I remember this correctly, you were part of Amphenol Canada uh, that is really now Amphenol Canada is a military and aerospace division uh, in the AMAO group under Luke Walter. But at the time, I think... They were in the same facility and worked they were under the same umbrella. Um, and then it broke off. Is that how it worked? I can't remember. Not exactly. I guess even further than that, before there were bigger divisions or group divisions, my understanding is that there was just, there was a site, a site that had some military products and a site that had IT datacom products. And a lot of these guys, in, um, including Andy Toffelmeyer, who you know, um, mm -hmm. used to actually do and manage um, some of these products on the the commercial or the the IT datacom side. So right. then, eventually, things split off into aerospace and and telecom, et cetera. Um, and we had one or two actual products that were part of the the data telecom, uh, which was which was part of Rick Schneider's AITC group. Mm -hmm. And so what they did, and they saw this very huge market potential for the high-speed IO products. And obviously we wanted to expand. Um, and when I had come in, there was two or three more concept products um, that really didn't have revenue, but they knew there was a big market potential. So Tom and Rick and Adam, um, they took the two um, heavy hitting products, so SFP and the beginning of QSFP and literally made a group. Mm -hmm. um, and we had Brian Kirk leading um, our engineering. Um, I was marketing and then we had a few more engineers out of Toronto and China and we became a group and we had, to, and then at that point, uh, we had a gen another general manager that was not, uh, that isn't with the company anymore, but we also combined division which Mark St. Hilaire manages today mm -hmm. a one comprehensive group and aligned the back end with the on the engineering side the manufacturing was always kept separately but then also aligned sales resources etc so they can sell an end-to-end -end solution we designed the connector and the cage and then they designed the the mating cable right. that goes into 
the product. So that's how we became a standalone uh, business unit. What was that like at the time? Must've been exciting. It was stressful. Um, it was, it was exciting because, you know, you get hired for one thing and then you become something else. Um, it was a very steep learning curve. I remember trying to, you know, in the beginning, I was trying to just figure out the systems and figure out who the players are. Cause we're not exactly centralized as you know, Yeah. Um, but then quickly I figured out that, okay, in this company to get things done, it's about relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and, learning, um, you know, what these products are inside out, where, you know, where they belong to and where we could go. I, I remember coming home and there were a few tears back then. I'm like, what did I get myself into? Sure. But I also remember having a very pivotal conversation with a controller at the time in Toronto that said, this is going to make your career. You just need to keep thinking of the big picture, yeah. uh, which is what I did. And you know, um, and, you know, everybody was right, right? Like we've, um, the business over the last two years has grown more than 50% and it continues to grow on average over 20% year over year. So just a lot of exciting times, a lot of dynamic changes and just, you know, putting out fires here and there, but it's been a really exciting time. Yeah. I mean, that's fantastic as far as how well the business is doing. If you could just maybe pick one or two things that are maybe not so tangible, but things uh, that you feel are, are a key to success and why you guys have grown so much. What would maybe one or two of those things be? One of them is our relationships with customers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of key industry, like big name brands that when you talk about us as individuals or talk about specific names, they know who we are and we've become their Mm go-to, right? Becoming dependable to them, getting involved with them and just our willingness. Um, One of the things that we, the the reason why we became successful so quickly is that we were willing to customize products and do it really quick. We were able to turn products around in weeks and not months. Mm -hmm. Um, And just the go-to market was extremely, the go-to market strategy and the time to go to market was extremely important. And so we became a disruptor in our space within industry. And the other, um, I guess the other key to success is just is listening to, you know, listening to these customers and listening to what people within your own group, we've had a very cohesive group, and we work really well together. Um, And, you know, I I can't, it's not just one person that's made this a success. There's been so many different people that we've listened to each other and we've we've won as a group and we've lost as a group so it's really the, the, those two things the the engagement the relationships with the customer and the cohesiveness of our, of our group so i'll back up for a bit here and then we'll we'll catch up to where we are in present day but where were you before you came to amphenol so I was in test and measurement. I worked for, I started off my career in HP um, and mm-hmm. HP spun off into Agilent Technologies um, and I was a staff engineer. So uh, very quickly they figured out that I was, you know, I could talk, I could talk well. And so they wanted to put me out in front of customers. Yeah. So they asked me back then, they're like, do you want to, you know, become, go into business development or FAE? And I said, what, what do you want me to, I, I was very naive. I was only, 20. Um, yeah. And so I remember asking, you want me to go door to door? Like I, when I thought of sales, I thought of, you know, these salespeople, I'm like, yeah. what? what do you want me to do? And yeah. I, 
I didn't know there was this whole other world coming from a family where there's lots of engineers. Everybody's so technical, but nobody spoke about the business side of engineering um, or the business side of technology. So yeah, so I was a staff engineer, FAE. Then I, I did go into uh, various business development roles within Agilent, then went to Roden Schwartz, which is another big name in tester measurement. And then in and around the, the big 08, 09 uh, recession, there was a big decision I had to make. They'd asked me um, because they were really winding down operations. They asked me whether I wanted to go work in Europe. And at that point I had a really small baby. I, you know, my daughter was so young. And so I took a package and I ended up working for a medical device company for about, I don't know, seven to 10 months to, um, while I was trying to figure out my next step. And then Amphenol came knocking through a recruiter Mm. and presented this really great opportunity. Um, And for a variety of professional and personal reasons, I took the role and, and moved to Toronto from, um, from California. You talked earlier, too, about your parents being engineers. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what field of engineering were they or what specialty were they um, uh, in as you were growing up? So um, it's my dad. My, my mom okay. is actually an economist, but my, my father um, is an aerospace engineer and was with Pratt & Whitney mm-hmm for 47 years. Um, so yeah, so I thought I was going to become a, um, a mechanical engineer and I I had all these, you know, uh, dreams, but I remember, uh, my uncles who are also, you know, mechanical engineering professors, et cetera. They all said, no, telecom is the hottest thing. You need to Mm. go in that direction. So I, I went into electrical engineering, but yeah, my dad finished a really great career um, of various, you know, um, design engineering, process engineering, and later on more management roles. He um, was um, one of the key to starting up the the India Pratt and Whitney operations. Actually, he was one of the first ones there, and so lots of exposure to what the aerospace industry looked like uh, from a very early start. And I went the total opposite direction after. But I imagine, and it sounds like it was a huge, it was a huge influence on you growing up uh, in your formative years. And certainly as you you go into higher education, once you got through high school as well. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, didn't, I didn't know what else to do. Um, (laughs) I just knew, which is so weird, right? Like you don't know a lot of females, you know, back then that said, yeah, I'm going to become an engineer, but it's not just my dad. Like my, you know, my, my uncles, my aunts, they're executives in the automotive at Ford and, and GM, they're engineers as well. So that's it. That's all I knew. And it was no, I didn't even look at uttering that I was going to become, you know, something else like um, whether it was an interior designer, which I also had um, interest in back then to even becoming a doctor. Um, There was also some cultural uh, influences in my family. You know, I come from a very traditional Indian family. Mm -hmm. So some, some, some of the influence was also, well, this makes a great nine to five job. That's what my dad used to say uh, versus becoming a doctor. But um, so, yeah, it had a very heavy influence. We'll fast forward back sort of towards Amphenol. So you get to Amphenol, uh, an unusual set of circumstances, but you an opportunity presented itself. 
almost immediately be, you become a marketing director because all of this you know stuff within the business is happening and splitting off. What was it like for you when you were first when you first became a general manager then and how much of a change was that for you because that is also not a 9 to 5 job. No, it is not. It was interesting. I was nervous, not for the reasons of a skill set being ready. I was nervous because when you come up within a business and you form certain relationships and when you are looked at in a certain way as a peer, mm. I was more nervous about stepping out of that peer role and stepping into I'm now your boss and oh, how that yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and to be honest, the, the, the transition was seamless. Um, again, having such an amazing team and just my personality, I'd always taken anything I did. I've always taken great ownership and uh, over, you know, whatever I was asked to do. So people looked at me as obviously I wasn't the GM, but I had leadership within the group. And so they looked at me in that capacity. So I think that's what really helped the transition and just the respect. I, I respect them and they respect me. I, you know, whether I'm tough or, but they understood that whatever decisions I make is, is for the best of the business. So it was a, it was, it was, um, it was pretty seamless, but it was an interesting time as well. How long was it before you were comfortable in the role? Probably after two years that okay. I really, yeah, after two years, I was really like, you know, I got this. I, you know, I already, I, like, I, I know this business considering, you know, we, we, I was part of growing it from, from the start. So I was, uh, it, but it took about two years to really, I could to, to step back and just be very confident and say, yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable as the, as the head of this business unit. As far as the business unit is concerned, what excites you the most in the next couple of years? I think it's the unknown that like yeah. I, I um, thrive in chaos. I, I like the dynamic. I, I'm not somebody that loves, you know, routine necessarily. Mm -hmm. So this business has all been, it has, has not been anything about routine, right? There's certain things like, you know, the, the deliverables that we owe on a on a weekly monthly basis but everything else is these new challenges right what is the next big technology what's the next uh, big customer so that excites me is is um the next big growth and for us it's you know 5g space it's mm -hmm. data center and just the the exciting the the customers that come up and you know to really see what is the next big customer that we we're gonna go interface with and and what challenge can we overcome so the last question I'll get to here, and uh, and I prepped you, and maybe you've been thinking about it. Um, I've been doing this lately, and and uh, it seems to be fun. You're stuck on a deserted island. You can't have your laptop with you to do any work or anything like that. You're by yourself, but you're allowed to bring one album, one book, and one movie with you. So we'll start with the album or a musical artist. Which would you pick? Okay, so... Tony Braxton is who I would pick for my musical artist. Okay. Um, I've always loved her R&B ballads, and I'm a big R&B fan. Okay. And then from a movie perspective, um, it's Entrapment with Sonia. What's her name? Sorry. Um, Sean Connery, who just passed away, right? Yeah. And, and Catherine Zeta-Jones, um, right? Yes, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yep. Yeah. That has always been my all-time favorite movie. And then from a book perspective... 
That's a hard one. Yeah. Um, that's actually, you know, it's funny. That's another uh, go-to of mine is just reading fiction. Um, yeah. And it's just a silly book series that I've been reading since I was um, in my 20s. It's called Shopaholic Series. So that's probably what I would bring with me because it's another, you know, just kind of you get into the mind of this woman that's just that goes through all these adventures with yeah. her shopaholic ways. So, yeah, I would bring that. Well, Susan, listen, I appreciate you taking the time today to do this. And we got to touch base finally. I know we've been trying to do this for a couple months. Um, and I yeah. want to thank Rick Schneider for the recommendation as well. So thank you again for doing this. Well, I appreciate the time. And I am honored that you guys chose me or even considered me. Um, and I'll be looking forward to, to hearing myself on the podcast. So thank you very much. 